Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishak Leisha Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to all my friends out there. And I don't have anybody else to welcome other than you because I'm alone, not alone in this world because I have you out there. And of course, the God of Israel above, the land of Israel below, and all of the people that we're holding on to, our hands here in Israel and across the uh, across the world in a great mission to return to the Jewish people's, um, to the promise of God, the Jewish people's ancestral homeland, uh, this amazing Holy Land, this amazing story. So shalom and welcome everybody. And wherever you are right now, driving, uh, jogging, washing dishes, trying not to listen to your kids holler, whatever it is that you're doing to listen, shalom and welcome. This week's Torah portion is Chukat. Chukat means uh, the uh, the the decrees, the decrees, and generally speaking, it's meant to reflect those decrees that are not always intellectually available to us. They are super rational, as opposed to being just rational. You know, like like the, the right way to say it, the the simple way to say it is like these are some of the laws that we don't understand. Uh, but the nicer way to say it is. That they're super rational. We they are beyond our understanding. We are we are we are too small, and that's something that's an important thought. That's an important thought that we have to have, which is that we are smaller than God. And this is one of the uh, central points of the Torah, which is which is like remember, you serve Him. He is bigger than you. You are a created being of His. He is not a created being of you. This is the eternal fight between idolatry. Uh, and the service of God. Sometimes, sometimes we have, I'll give you an example. Sometimes we have a problem praying. And we can't pray because of the shul is, the synagogue is like this, the shul is like that, or I'm not in the mood, I don't have the time, too nervous, too many things, the phone's buzzing, all that kind of stuff. But we have to remember that prayer, for example, is not just about me having a great prayer session. It's about really serving God and being his servant and, and actually working for God. And prayer is kind of like the, it's an avoda shebelev. It's like a certain kind of work that you worship. It's a worship. That's the, that's the proper way to say it, right? really. And one thing that I wanted to mention about last week's Torah portion, which I found out only after doing the show, is really there's a verse there that, that basically says, that Korach says about the Jewish people, he says, look, they're all holy and God is within them. And I wanted to say to Korach, no, we are trying to be holy, but we're within God. He's not within us. He's not the little thing that, that, that kind of serves us and gets us going and you know, is a little engine inside of us. No, 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 no. We have to yearn for him. We serve him. We're the little thing inside his dream. He's not the little thing inside of our dream. And uh, the super rational decrees that this Torah portion starts with, the red heifer is a super rational decree. It's hard to understand. It's it's uh, it's not quite an offering. It's basically the creation of, of a kind of formula, which which eventually leads to you being able to get rid of the uh, blemish, the 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 energy of death that surrounds you when you come in contact with death. And one of the great things. I don't think one of the great things. I don't want to say the great things. One of one of the central things of the Torah is that its laws, actually there's a purpose to these laws. And the purpose of these laws is to keep us a holy people 
a separate people, but there's a, maybe an unstated uh, uh, use for these laws, and that is it keeps us an eternal people. And one of the key ways to be an eternal people is to, is to cheat or beat death. Death is a huge part of life. Death is what many nations, peoples, species, empires succumb to. Death. Like Greece. It is no longer here. Rome. It is no longer here, right? Uh, this is something that happens because nations and empires go through the natural course of human things, which is they go through a process of ups and downs, of, of being young, getting old, and, and passing away. But the Jewish people don't go through that process. Why is that? Is it because of our genius? Nay, that is not the answer. The answer is that we follow a set of laws that are meant to give us a uh, avenue towards eternity, towards eternity. And those laws in, 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 you know, those are how to eat properly, what leather boxes to put on so that the words of the Torah are printed upon you. Uh, and it's also how to take off from our flesh this unseen energy of death and to kind of um, rid ourselves of this, of this dark energy that wants to keep you, like everybody, like everything else, going through its ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and, and eventual ups, and then eventual uh, destruction. That is something that the Torah teaches us how to get away from. Um, so the Torah will tell us that the Kohen shall take cedar wood, hyssop, and crimson thread, and he shall throw them into the burning of the cow after he finds a specific red heifer. The Kohen shall immerse his clothing and immerse himself in water, and afterwards he may enter the camp, and the Kohen shall remain contaminated until evening. That's one of the great mysteries that they talk about the red heifer is that the man who's preparing this energy to get rid of the energy of contamination himself becomes contaminated. And it's considered a great mystery. I myself have never quite understood why it's considered such a mystery. It's not so mysterious to me why a person who's dealing with something very closely is the one that gets burnt from it, uh, just like a firefighter who, who is rescuing people from fire and putting out the fire that, that eventually will, will, will protect people so that it doesn't spread. He himself puts himself in the line of danger. You come too close to even a formula uh, let's say you're creating drugs to heal people, but you're you know you're you're in the room with these kind of agents, and sometimes they can zap you. So you have to be careful. So the kohen, the kohen that is in charge of of this business uh, of of the red preparing the red heifer himself can become contaminated, and that I think I think it, uh, it it's something that does make sense. But how the red heifer works, how we beat the energy of death, is very tricky. I do want to mention that the Talmud tells us that, that when the Kohen would prepare, when the priest would prepare this red heifer mixture, he would have to go to the Mount of Olives and he would have to peer into the Holy of Holies. So on the one hand, he's got to kind of step out of a very uncontaminated place to deal with this thing that may contaminate him. But on the other hand, he's got to have eye shot, uh, a, a, a visual connection to the thing that is the eternal life giver 
and that is the presence of God, which is the most present uh, in the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Uh, this Torah portion also has a, 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 right, so it's, you know, as I'm saying this, an amazing realization came to me just now, which is, on the one hand it starts, on the one hand it starts, this Torah portion starts with the red heifer, which is all about getting rid of the energy of death. And the next thing we learn is how Miriam passes away, how Aaron passes away, and how Moses is told that he's not going to go into the land of Israel, the end of a leadership. So you might have thought through reading this Torah portion that all is lost, all is lost, these great leaders are dead. The Torah portion starts with the red heifer to tell you, no, the Jewish people go on forever. We beat the energy of death. And these righteous people beat the energy of death. And they're always with us because they're in this Torah. And, 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 and that Am Yisrael continues with, with the, you know, the, the heavenly kind of Moses giving us direction and then the heavenly Miriam, the heavenly Aaron. And, and, and that their, their influence and their spirit is with us and they, of course, have cheated death. And they will stand uh, at the time of the resurrection, no doubt. That's, that's another, by the way, explanation of the, of the consciousness of resurrection, which is you know, only, only people who have been plugged into eternity uh, are seemingly dead. But when the time comes, you know, they, they, were, they did not really succumb to death. It was only uh, ostensible death. Okay? Or as, uh, and please tell me where, you, where we know this quote from. I've talked about this before. He's only mostly dead. Okay? Only mostly dead. And that's what I talk about when I tour people on the Mount of Olives. I say, you think there's a lot of graves here, but they're only mostly dead. Why is that? Because, phew, look, look who knows so much about the dead people now. Phew, look who knows. It happens to be your friend is only mostly dead. Okay, any case, um, so so the next section is indeed about the death of Miriam. Oh my gosh, this great prophetess, Miriam. Boy, would I would have liked to meet her or see her. Wow. Um, so, um, so this is at the end of the 40th year, and the Jewish people, are finishing up their long sojourn in the desert, and Miriam passes away. Can you believe that? Miriam died there, and she was buried there. There was no, suddenly, basically the next verse says, there was no water for the assembly, and they gathered against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and spoke up, saying, if only we had perished as our, as our brethren perished before Hashem. Why have you brought the congregation of Hashem to this wilderness to die there, uh, we and our animals? And why did... Uh, and why did you have us ascend from Egypt and bring us to this evil place, not a place of seed, of fig, of grape, or pomegranate? And there's no water to drink. Oh, no, Jews are complaining yet again. Okay, and first thing, why is there no water? Because Miriam had died, and Miriam was the wellspring. She was, in her merit, was there consistent uh, water to the Jewish people when she died, the well of Miriam dried up, says the Arizal. The well of Miriam today is in the Kinneret, is in the Kinneret in Israel. When you drink the water of the land of Israel from the Kinneret, that is still the well of Miriam. Uh, in any case, uh, whoa, there's that old, we learned in, in a few, in the last two Torah portions, we learned about how God detests complaint. And Moses is going to react to this complaint, but Moses. Watch out, there's a trap up ahead. Let's see what happens. Uh, so Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the congregation to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They fell on their faces. The glory of Hashem appeared to them. Hashem spoke to Moses saying, 
Take the staff and gather together the assembly, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes. Speak to the rock before their eyes, that it shall give its waters. You shall bring forth for them water from the rock and give drink to the assembly and to their animals. So far, so good. There was, you know, complaining. Uh, Moses goes in front of the tent of meeting. God's direction is, okay, go, go talk to the rock. All right. Moses took the staff from before Hashem as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, O rebels, O rebellious ones. But I want to say uh, 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 my own interpretation. The word uh, that, uh, that is for rebels is hamorim, folks who are rebellious. It's very, very close to the word hamorim, which means donkeys. It's very, very close. The hay can be just a little bit more, and it's a chet. And basically, he's saying, you guys are stubborn mules, you know? And the Torah kind of kind of like smooths it down a little bit and says, you, you rebels. Why, why do I say this? Um, oh, rebels, shall we bring forth water for you from this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock with his staff, with his staff, twice. Meaning to say the first time he hit it, it didn't come out, or just a few drops, according to a Midrash. But he hit the rock, and then he hit it a second time. Abundant water came forth from the assembly, and their animals drank. It's almost like, can you read between the lines? It's like he hit the rock once, and nothing comes out. He hits it a second time, because he was in the swing of hitting it. And then God is like, I'll have mercy on you, Moses. I won't embarrass you. And the water comes out. But that's not what you were told to do. You were told to speak to the rock. And <clears throat> then, then suddenly, Hashem says to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you will not bring this, con- this congregation to the land that I've given them. They are the waters of strife where the children of Israel contended with Hashem, and he was sanctified through them. So the decree is that Moses won't go into the land of Israel. In other words, the death of Moses, and that he won't, go, that he won't bring them to the promised land. This becomes a big theme, right? This is a big theme. Moses is not going to bring them to the promised land. And it's because he struck the rock. Like, everybody knows that. So what's this all about? And I think that... that uh, the answer is, uh, I, 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 and the Rambam says something like this, and so does the Chizkuni. They say, and I, and I, and this is what I feel also, which is, you have to appreciate that this is the next generation. This is not the generation of their fathers, and when Moses lumps them as rebels or as uh, donkeys, as stubborn mules, or something like that. When he says this to them, he's basically saying to them, you're like your parents, it's the same old, and I feel about you, all of my personal frustration with you is the frustration that I've had with your, with your parents. And God says, you're not ready to lead this next generation. You're still carrying the burdens and the frustrations of that previous generation. By the way, when we first meet Moses, it says that he strikes the Egyptian, Vayachet Mitzri, and here it says, Vayachet Asela, he strikes the, uh, um, the stone. It's like back to first principles, 
back to like the real Moses, who he really is inside. And I love, love the fact that Moses has a human character. If you ever watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, Moses is really fun until he becomes the religious Moses and then he becomes a kind of square. And here, it's like, it's like I, I like the fact that there is a personality to the man, Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu. By the way, have you ever thought, have you ever imagined what it would be like to shake hands and to look into the eyes and face of Moshe Rabbeinu? Can you, can you, can you imagine such a thing? Could you imagine shaking hands with, with uh, Avram Avinu? Could you imagine meeting Sarai Menu? Could you imagine that? Can you imagine these people? Uh, to me, it's like, just, just to try to imagine, what would it be like to shake hands with Moshe Rabbeinu? What would it be like if his face wasn't covered and it was glowing? Be that as it may, uh, Moses, according to God, is not ready to take the next generation into the land of Israel. And it's, 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 it's not so much a sin as much as you're part of the previous generation. And Aaron he is also part of the previous generation and maybe he has a hand in the uh the chet haegel the sin of the of the golden calf and so you moses you have a little bit of a hand in the sin of the spies you sent them you're part of their 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 slave mentality you're part of their world and and you Aaron you have you, you know you missed that you're part of their world and I want a new next generation to go in. And that's what God said. That's what God decreed. He said, listen, all the men folk from 20 to 60 aren't going into the land of Israel except for Kalev ben Yifuneh and Yeshua ben Nun. And so uh, it was already decreed. We knew that. But this is why. Because you weren't ready to give this new generation a chance to talk to them softly, not to use the stick, but to talk to the stone. The stone, by the way, doesn't even have to be the stone stone. It's also like... Uh, the stone is maybe the heart of the Jewish people. It, are you going to talk to them or are you going to hit them, Moses? You're 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 not ready to deal with this with this new with this new this new baby. You need younger folks to be able to deal with it, a, a next generation. And so Moses is locked out in this moment uh, from the next stage. Remember, this is a moment of great death, and so the Torah portion begins with the red heifer to tell us. There is eternal life. There is eternal life. And the next thing we're going to learn is that um, we're going to learn uh, in the section after this next section that Aaron is going to die. And Aaron dies in the most amazing fashion in that God says to him, it's time for Moses to, to die. So take him, go up uh, to this mountain. God says to Moses, to Aaron, uh, it's time for Aaron to be gathered to his people. He's not coming to the land. Uh, I want you to take Aaron and Elazar, his son, and take them up to the top of the Horhahar mountain. It, take off the clothes from Aaron, put them on Elazar, and then Aaron will be gathered uh, onto his people. And indeed, they do that. They go up, the three of them, and they take off the special clothes of, of, of Aaron put it on Elazar, and then he he basically passes away there. The the sages tell us about this kind of kiss of death. And that's how that's how Moses is going to want to be buried, uh, passed, to pass away and be buried as well. Interestingly, when the nation sees that only two of them come down off the mountain, they let out a horrible cry. 
ויפקו את אהרון, they cried for Aaron 30 days, 30 days, all of the house of Israel, which is also the women of Israel. Aaron, the beloved of, of, of the Jewish people, the one whose Torah is Ahavat Yisrael, Ahavat Yisrael. That's who Aaron is. He is the epitome of Ahavat Yisrael. We learned about it uh, last week, about how he ran into death uh, and, and into the plague in order to stop that death from, from touching yet another Jew. There's something about Aaron, even his great sin of the red heifer was really all about the love of Israel. And, and that is the incredible, uh, the, the, the incredible personality of, of Aaron um, and, and the, the, how beloved he is. And I'm not so sure, sure, sure we always get enough of that image. We have to get more of that image in our head that Aaron is the beloved, the, the beloved of the Jewish people because he loves the Jewish people. We should always be students of Aaron as the, as the, uh, as the chapter, the, uh, the Mishnah says in the Ethics of Our Fathers, he says, Ohev Shalom, Rodev Shalom, be like the students of Aaron, love peace, chase peace, love the created beings, and bring them closer to Torah, Kirov to Kirov, to the work of Kirov. So that's an incredible, an incredible uh, story there. Uh, then we have the story, we have a few like mini stories. One of them is that uh, a, uh, the Canaanites fight with the Jews, and guess what? They take a prisoner, they take a captive. So then it says, Israel made a vow to Hashem and said, Israel as a nation makes a vow to Hashem and said, a vow to Hashem saying, if he will deliver this people into my hand, I will consecrate their cities. Hashem heard the voice of Israel, the the singular voice, the, the nation spoke as one. And he delivered the Canaanite and was consecrated them and their cities and the name of the place was Horma. Okay, so so this is an uh, basically that 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 this new generation had a moment that like some uh, uh, one of the Jews was 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 captive was 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 cap cap uh, taken captive, and the Jewish people as a nation said, "No, we will not let this just go. This is this is a a, a mighty evil, and it it galvanized the Jewish people into one powerful fighting force for justice, and that's something that we should we should remember that when when one Jew hurts. Uh, we should all be galvanized to to fight for justice, and and the the, the pe- pe- I've heard people say that you know Jewish people are compared to a Torah book. When when one is hurting, when one letter is hurting, the whole thing is is out of whack. So we have to fix that. We have to fight for every Jew, and certainly not allow Jews to be hurt. Um, they uh, they journeyed, and they again had no food. Um, and they started complaining. This time, when they complained, they had another problem, which was the fiery serpents. The fiery serpents came at the Jewish people. And they're biting the Jewish people. And they're biting, ow, 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 and stinging, right? And and these serpents are all around. And the people came, and and, and why is there serpentine-like punishment? Because of Lashon Hara, because of evil speech. So Shem said to Moses, make yourself a fiery serpent and place it on a pole and it'll be that anyone who has bitten will look at it and live. Moses made a serpent of copper and placed it, a nechash nechoshet, and placed it on a pole and it was when if a serpent bit a man, he would stare at the copper serpent and live. What does that mean? Well, the, the simple meaning is 
no, I don't know if the simplest simple meaning, but the basic meaning is we have punishments that we get in this world. And we like, we're like, why did I get this punishment? Why did I deserve this? Why did I nick my finger? Why did I uh, stub my toe? And we look up and we see that there's a symbol that reminds us why this happened. That's a great, that's a great uh, kindness that God does when he says to us, this is why. And this is what I want you to repent for. Wouldn't that be nice if we always knew what we had to repent for? So uh, the fiery, the the uh, it, it was because you complained, because you spoke poorly. So the 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 fiery, the the uh, the serpent on the the copper serpent on the pole. That's the thing that was supposed to had like a big sign. It says lush and horror, lush and horror. You spoke evil. You spoke evil, slanderous speech. You spoke bad, bad. Yeah, you 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 profaned your 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 mouth, your your speech. Okay, oh, that's why I got this this bite. So I, I got a bite. I looked up and I said, God, why did this happen? Oh, it's because of this. Good, I can repent for it and I can be healed. Okay, so it's very, very important to, like right now my tongue hurts a little bit because I have a little bit of a cold. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think Hashem probably is giving me a whack a little bit because he thinks, a smack, because he thinks that, because uh, he knows that I spoke, I must have spoken some Lashon Hara. I must have misused this great uh, tool which is our mouth, and instead, and I, or maybe I didn't say a bracha, or maybe I ate like a pig or something like that, and so, you know, I got a little, I got a little smack, and when I think about that smack, and I say, thank you, God, thank you so much for teaching me, thank you so so much for, uh, for for punishing me because I know it cleans me out, and thank you so much for helping me think about what I need to fix and change, thank you so much for helping me look at that at that copper snake. Another thing about the copper snake is that. You might have no. You might have noticed that the medical folks have uh, a sign, the, the you know the uh, Hippocratic oath and all that kind of stuff. And there's the sign for medicine, which is a snake on a stick. So some people think it's because doctors are snaky, but that's not really the reason. The real reason is because uh, of this Torah portion, which is that you look up at the copper snake and you are healed. Okay, so. Uh, um, that that became the international symbol for medicine. It comes from the Bible. It comes from the Bible. Finally, one last section that I do want to talk about today is the war with Sichon. And here we have a different Moses. This is Moses the general. Moses the general. And um, we, the Jewish people, we offer peace to Sichon, the Amorite, but they didn't let us pass. And they come out to war against us. And then Israel, and really led by General Moses, fought fought uh, Sichon and inherited their land from the Arnon River to the Yabok, which are rivers that are there today. Right? From the Arnon to the Yabok uh, to the children of Ammon. From the border of the children of Ammon was very, was very powerful. Israel took these cities and Israel settled in all of the Amorite cities, in Cheshbon and all its suburbs. For Cheshbon, it was the city of Sichon, king of the Amorite. And he had warred against the, uh, the first king of Moab and took his land uh, from his control until Arnon. Meaning to say that uh, it, was, it, was Mo, it, was, uh, it was Sichon, the king of the Amorite, who took it from the Moabites. We weren't allowed to take the land from the Moabites, but because... The Amorites took it from the Moabites, so we were able to take the land from them. Okay, uh, now I want to tell you that uh, this is now to the folks who are considering Aliyah. 
those who consider Aliyah, this is a very famous phrase, I think of Rav Cook's, and the very famous phrase is that when you come to the land of Israel, there's a lot of calculations that you make. Can I make money? Can I do it? Will I have a job? Will I be able to deal with the mentality? Will I be able to deal with the language? Or will I miss my family? All these kind of things. So Rav Cook used to say, before you enter the land of Israel, you have to kill Melech Cheshbon. And Melech Cheshbon means the king of Cheshbon, but Cheshbon in modern Hebrew means calculations. Sometimes you have to kill the king of calculations. You can't only be a rational, cold thinker, adding up the numbers. The land of Israel is also about passion. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about prayer. It's about begging Hashem to have a, to have a role in, in the land of Israel, a part of the land of Israel. And I always tell people, I don't know if you have a job, but you certainly have a tough kid, right? You may not have necessarily at work here at first. That used to be the problem. Today, it's not so much a problem, but you'll certainly have a role to play. Okay, you may not have work, but you'll have a role to play. And I say this to all of you who are considering uh, moving to Eretz Israel: you have to kill off Melech Cheshbon. Uh, but uh, I also say that uh, to those people who make calculations about, can I come visit the land of Israel this year? Don't make such a calculation. You know, tell God that you passionately want that connection, and make and just and just try to kind of go nuts and say, I'll go to a cheap hotel. I'll find a cheap. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like, I need this. Like, I need air. I need water. What did my wife say to me? That, that you don't always get what you want, but you always get what you think you must. Make it, make the land of Israel a must, a must way to connect, a, a must thing that I must connect to. That's something, by the way, that I say that. That's not so simple. Because I have friends who, you know, when they have vacation time, they go to Florida, they do whatever it is. And, uh, and I don't know if they make it, is Eretz Israel into a must. That's a, that's a thought maybe that we all have to consider for this week, which is how do I make Eretz Yisrael a must? How do I make more Torah in my life a must? Okay? How do I make it into a must that I say, I, I must have more Torah in my life? I must have more land of Israel in my life. What, what is the steps that I take? Because I must have this. It's not something I want. It's not something I deserve or need. I must have this. And that's, a, that's, I think, um, a, a, a much richer approach and that connects us to the idea that we say to God, please give us just a small part in, in your great in your great story, in this great moment, in your great Torah. Please, God, just give us a part. If, if you've already done the great miracle of be, having us being born at this time, uh, please give us yet yet a greater connection. And that's, that's what I'm always talking about. The word bracha, the word blessing itself, means a greater connection, just greater, more. God, give me more. That's, the word blessing always means more of. Um, and this reminds me of a conversation that I had an email with one of our listeners. I talked about this a week ago, two weeks ago, which is really, what is Israel? It's a land of blessings. That's really the, the marketing campaign. Israel, land of blessings. Come find your blessing. Come get your blessing. But that blessing is a must. Folks, I want you to also check out all of our great sponsors who bring us a lot of blessings, bring you a lot of blessings. All of our sponsors are, are folks that do great work. Um, and I want to mention the good folks at SemiticTribes.com. If you go to SemiticTribes.com and put in the code Yishai10, you will get 10% off of those cool Middle Eastern sudras, okay, that, with, with the Stars of David on them, which will make you uh, the talk of the town. So check it out there, uh, SemiticTribes.com. Check out our good friends at Janglo.net who do a great job of uh, promoting and, and telling and connecting and informing about what's going on here in the land of Israel in the English language. That's at Janglo.net. Of course, 
The Tchelet Revolution is on. We are getting more connected to our Torah. We are becoming true blue Jews, Jews of color, right? That's what I think of. Remember United Colors of Benetton? It's the United Colors of Israel, all right? Uh, and that is through the true blue Jew opportunity of Tchelet. That's T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T.com. I am right now, as we're broadcasting, wearing my Tchelet, and uh, you should as well. And let's make sure we get some women's stuff also uh, for Tchelet. Uh, check out that site and uh, and uh, get something, you know, just get something to connect to it. Even if it's just a Shabbos talus or something like that, get something. Maybe for women they have a new Tchelet wig. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, also, our good friends at Hebron, Hebron.com, uh, Hebron, yeah, Hebron.com, Hebron.org, and Hebronfund.org. Hebronfund.org is the uh, website that will get you to the fathers and the mothers. What an honor, what a pleasure it is to work with the Hebron Fund to help build Hebron and uh, learn so much about how to do that, how to build Eretz Israel, and to connect people to the story of, uh, of Marat HaMachpelah. It's an absolute joy and a pleasure. Uh, what else? Do I have anything else? Oh, uh, that's right, Jay Brick, making Jewish Lego for you, Jewish Lego for your kids. So much fun. And of course, don't forget our flag project. If you want a, fla- a flag that is flapped uh, so favorably and uh, full of fervor, I'm just trying to alliterate the the F there. Uh, the the flag of Israel of of Judea and Samaria, really the flag of East Jerusalem and Hebron, uh, that that have been used are available to you through yishayfleischer.com. Uh, there's not a lot. There's a few, and that's why also the price is so five hundred dollars uh, to be part of the supporters. And uh, uh, I'll talk about it in the next part with Malka Fleischer. I just got a wonderful picture of some of our listeners. Uh, with the beautiful giant flag that they're going to use to decorate their sukkah. It's such a beautiful thing. And, of course, you can dedicate any show. Um, and I don't get enough dedications. If you want to dedicate a show to a loved one, that's like 100 bucks, and it's a great way to get some Torah in their name broadcast to the world. In any case, all that is all awesome. All right? There's 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 donations. There's, there's folks you can... There's, uh, advertisers, there's Torah, but it's really about your neshama. That's what it's really about at the end. It's about your soul, your connection. If you listen to the show and you take one step closer in any way, then that's that's the biggest supporter of this show that, that, that could be possible because this is, uh, we're, trying, we're trying to broadcast the, the true story of God. So folks, stay tuned. The Mark Fleischer half is next. She joins me here in Judea. And you are with me wherever you are. We are together in a great story. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more here on the Yishai Fleischer Show. Write me an email, yishaitalandofisrael.com. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. Stay bold and beautiful. We'll be right back. Shalom. Awake, tribe of Judah, calls Zeb Jabotinsky. Nature beckons with the spring. Passover beckons the day of Exodus. Liberation from our chains. I'm definitely looking for a little bit of liberation. And frankly, even a healthy dose of redemption. Because I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Join Rav Mike Foyer for the best Jewish history podcast. The Jewish Story on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Shalom and welcome back to the Shai Fleischer Show, 
broadcasting live from Judea to the world, and you're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome to a beautiful night here in Judea. Amazing air, amazing sunset. It just felt like a, the world is a gift, that life is a gift, the air is a gift. And uh, came home today and uh, put the kids to sleep, read them beautiful stories. And that's because I am home, and I'm home with my awesome and amazing wife, Maka Fleischer. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ishai. The kids had a lot of tension. You know, Labatsion uh, had to get a lot of, I gave her like hand massages. Yeah. And that's because they had, were at this amazing Taekwondo competition here in beautiful uh, Judea. Our kids are in Taekwondo. That's like their, one of their after school things. That's one of the things that's cool about life out here in, in the town of Efrat is that they have tons of activities for kids. So many. Um, and, and here in this area in general, it's a pretty well populated little area. It's called Gush Etzion, which it's really northern Judea, basically. And, uh, or southern Jerusalem. Or southern Jerusalem, I guess, yeah, depending or, on what's going to happen. Or, or, or southern Bethlehem, really. Right. Bethlehem. So there's I, had, I had somebody I toured, and I said the word Bethlehem. He was like, don't, don't say Beth, Beth, Bethlehem. He's like, Bethlehem. Just some people get sensitive uh, about that, yeah. So uh, our kids are in Taekwondo, and I signed up because my, my daughter was originally in ballet because her Russian grandmother, your mom, really wanted her to be in ballet because that's a thing. But she was in ballet for a while, and it just kind of wasn't working out. And then we moved here to Efrat, and my daughter's friend was in Taekwondo. And I'm like, Taekwondo? Okay, you want to do – I mean, that's cool. You know, when I was eight, I was in karate or whatever for like six months until I quit karate because I was the only girl in my class. But this class is taught by one of Israel's former champions – of taekwondo and he teaches like a massive number of girls and boys separate classes boys class and girls class and uh and it's great and we went to like their end of year show i guess you would call it like a display of their of all the things that they've learned over the course of the year and there was like awesome heart pumping music and like flashy lights and stuff and they took over the floor of the of the um, the basketball court, one of the basketball courts here in uh, Efrat, an indoor basketball court. And they were just like, ayah, ayah. And they were just like, whoosh, 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 all over the place, kicking stuff, punching stuff, flipping Tri- over. Triple kicks. Yeah. Anyway, so um, my son is in the, our son is in the uh, like little boys taekwondo and our daughter is in the beginner girls taekwondo she's a little bit older and and interestingly her ballet background gave her like a certain advantage grace of movement that also lended itself to good taekwondo technique right like for example uh this uh, so so the master here his name is tsion kohen okay i love that name his name is zion priest <laughs> which is the name of my new heavy metal band called yes. Zion Priest. <laughs> That's right, Zion Priest. Uh, that is a good name for a band, right? Like a Zion Priest. Yes. It's like it's like Iron Maiden meets I don't know. There was na- there used to have these metal bands that had like you know something priest, right? Wasn't that a priest of some Judas kind? Priest? Judas Priest. That's right. Close. Oh, by the way, there was a word last week that I forgot, and a lot of people wrote in, which was tartan. Huh. 
That's like these Scottish like colors. When that were you, have. you using that word? I don't know. You know, me and Rabbi Mike, we go crazy. So we talk about stuff, and I'm like, you have to have your colors. I don't remember. Ah, uh, right, but, right, but, right, but right. I couldn't remember the word. It was tartan. That's right. Those tartan. That was good stuff. And and we actually, I know one Jew, Eliyahu McLean, who actually has he's a convert, and he's like a he's a big tour guide for Hebron. He does the dual narrative tour. He went to Scotland to meet with the McLeans, and they have a tartan. He's, nice. He's got his own tartan. I don't have a tartan, Malka. We don't have. We no, need a tartan. I don't think there's a Fleischer tartan. No. I have a feeling that there's not one. No Fleischer tartan seems like. But anyway, the the show was really really good, and our daughter had a uh, like a, a her own little skit with another girl, and there were like a hundred kids and a ton a ton of parents, so it was like a big honor for her to have her own like fighting, fighting skit. skit. And basically, it goes like this: a girl, like. She's my daughter's reading a book, walking along, and another girl comes and like throws the book on the floor, and then they start to then they like duke it out basically. Right. Then they have a fight, and it was all choreographed, which was also cool because they were like little Chuck Norris's. Yes, when when Chuck Norris fights with uh, with the other guy, they all were like, "Oh no, I'm kicked in the stomach!" like that, but they weren't really kicked in the stomach. Bruce Lee, of course, Bruce Lee. Uh, so, so which was Leia? Was Leia Bruce Lee, or was she the uh, the other? She won. She wins the fight. So who wins? Chuck I Norris think or Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee? Whatever. I think. Wait. Let's let's not worry about. Aren't they both a good guy usually in the movie? It's Anyhow, like, it really, what we're talking that about that was is a Hillel, different era. Hillel and Shammai here. We're talking about. But Hillel she won anyway. Yes. She won. But anyway, they there was a lot of like preparation and stuff like that and yeah. they were tense but they felt like a million bucks i think yeah so it's the end of the year but but the po- the reason i brought this up is because i want to talk about a little bit about women empowerment which is like uh, you know our 10 year old girl is really kind of learning it, it, it's it's very fem- street fighting well it's feminine it's religious and yet it's like it's like fighting skills that's important here in, in israel i think it's important in general uh, and tomorrow morning i am taking uh four girls that are having their bat mitzvahs on a women empowerment tour with Yishai. Okay, and this came through uh, one of our uh, beloved listeners, Tammy from Singapore, originally uh, who hung out in Singapore for many years. She's a wow. big listener to the show. And that uh, they made Aliyah back to Eretz Israel. And now uh, she, through the Chevron Fund, is organizing a big bat mitzvah tour and I'm the tour guide tomorrow. That's cool. So we're going to Kever Rachel. Nice. Then we're going to the mothers and the fathers. Okay, in Hebron, we're going to focus on the mamas. Nice. And then we're go- we're going to talk about uh, the the strength of the Jewish women at Marat Machpelah. And then we're going to go up to uh, Kever Root. We're going to talk about the strength of Root. Okay, the roots of Root. We're going to talk about that uh, up in Hebron. So it's going to be really fun. Then we're going to the farm. We're going to Ari Abramitz and Jeremy Gimpel to hang out at their farm. Oh, the landofisrael.com headquarters. The headquarters, uh, the, the desert headquarters. I wouldn't, I think it's more of the outpost than the headquarters. I know we call it the well, headquarters. Is it, do they have another does headquarters? It, no, but it doesn't headquarter the, the network as much. It's oh. basically their, right. their amazing project out there in the desert, which is funny. We say the desert. It's 15 minutes from here. It's on the eastern side of Gush Etzion. Well, a lot of stuff in Israel is 15 minutes from some kind of desert. That's right. That is, that is certainly Speaking true. of that, Ishai, I don't know if you're ready to transition to this, but I, guess I, wanna, I, am, I wanna tie in some of the many things that you just said. I went to husband school, and in husband school they said, 
just just transition with the wife. Being married is like surfing. Okay, the wife is the wave. Just ride the wave. That's basically. So here I we go. I think that's what they say to the women too. No. They just go. Don't roll your eyes in public. Okay. That's what yes. They don't say, do basically. not roll the eyes. In Thou public. shall not roll thine eyes at thine husband in in, in public. public. Yes. Anyway. Remember that, sweetie. That is. I'll good. try. I okay. keep trying. Yes. I have to go back to like continued education right. classes. I think. Right. Anyhow. So I want to tie in the 15 minutes from the desert. I want to tie in the women's empowerment. Yes. And I want to tie in the um, nice life for children discussion. And I want to say that that there are some kids living in the desert who are not having such a great time right now. And there's a lot of moms out there who are having to be extra empowered and really hold their, their... you know what together because it's hot. It's hot out there on the Gaza border in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last week we talked about the fires that the uh, Gaza terrorists are setting in Israel. What, 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 what was the number I heard today? 24,000 do 25,000 acres of land have right. been burned. Um, in Israel as a result acres of these. Acres or dunam? That's a very different number. I but think it's acres, but... Maybe okay. it's doing them. Anyway, a huge swaths of land have been Parks. Um, burned down. National uh, nature reserves, uh, tons and tons of agricultural land, which right. as we talked about last week, uh, you know, it's 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 horrific for the farmers. Really, it's, it's their everything, you know what I mean? And it's not so... Now in Israel, it's like, oh, startup nation, startup nation. So to be a cucumber farmer is like a throwback a little bit here in Israel today. But there are people who do it out of a lot of love and a connection to the land. And this is like the end of their year. Like their year just got ended. They're like, you know what I'm saying? Their their whole career effort for the year is now done because... It got burnt up. It got burnt up. And that's our food. Like that's my cucumber that just got burned up. Right. And now I'm going to have to buy some like Italian can cucumber. I, can I just uh, start a, a small parenthesis? I just sometimes am amazed at the tenacity of these, this like, this Hamas is like a wild animal going for our throat. It's like it wants to dig under. It wants to rock it over. It wants to go to the fence. Now it wants to kite over and it's like. Well, this is all that they care about. They don't care about other things. They don't care about. But I mean, creating, we're, we're they talking don't care about, about trying to kill Jews. So we're it's talking fun. about we're talking about like a like a like a raging animal that that and with its uh, willing executioners around the world who you know in the media and others who who want to tell their story. And I want to tell you did I did I tell you the story, Malka, very quickly? And another parenthesis that I'm done. This is, going back is this to, a parenthesis within a parenthesis? This is a parenthesis within a parenthesis. I had I had a, a very important journalist call me, and she says to me. Uh, and this was Thursday night. She goes to me, yeah, I was really trying to reach you, but I couldn't find your number, and I have a Pulitzer Prize-winning photographer, and I want to come tomorrow to Chevron, okay? And at first I'm like, whoa, you know, and this was from an important newspaper, the LA Times, and it was uh, a, a photographer, I don't remember, some Asian name, uh, Yum Yum Yan, or something like that, I don't remember, like some, some really, it sounds something like that, I don't remember, and, and, I call the I, I I'm like okay I'll do my best I really don't want to. I I look at this guy's Twitter feed. He had just been to Gaza, and all of his photographs were like 
big bad Jew attacking innocent little Gazan. Her girl is hurt by big bad soldier. They just want to protest, but they're being hurt by this. And I'm just like, I read 10 tweets. It's the same thing. I call her back. I'm like, it's offered tomorrow. She's like, why? I'm like, your dude is biased against Israel. I looked at her articles, not as, yet still quite biased against Israel. And I'm just like, I just said to them, no thanks. They're like, what do you mean? This is a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer. You know, this is important. This is, uh, it's too bad that your perspective won't be in the story. I said, I don't, I don't need to bring you in to make us, to make us look bad. And she's like, how do you, how do you read that? I'm like, from your Twitter feed. She's like, well, th- that's not very scientific. I'm like, what? I'm thinking to myself, what's she's more like, scientific than that? Right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what else do I need to, to like, like your public face, which you, which you hit <laughs> send on. Would you like write and think about what am I going to say and right. then you send it? That's the then, thing about social media. I know what you think, right? I know what you think. That's what it means. I know what you think uh, when, you, uh, when, you, when you write things like this. Any case, that's the end of that right. parenthesis. Bye-bye Pulitzer Prize-winning photographer. And, right, and the other parentheses, I'm just finishing by saying wow. like, I'm amazed sometimes by how much they really want to and creatively think about killing Jews. It's not only that. And parentheses. It's not only that. It's... You know, Hamas is bad, and the word Hamas in Hebrew literally means terror. And we didn't name them. It doesn't they mean terror. Themselves. It does not mean terror. It means violent crime. That's what it means. Violent crime. Which is like terror. Terror is just slightly different. Sorry, don't don't roll the eyes, darling. Go on. I'm not in public. No one can see. Okay, good. Okay. Anyhow. <laughs> I ended my parentheses. Go ahead now. Thanks. Are you sure? I'm quite sure. So these bad dudes, whose name literally means bad dudes... It's easy to hate them. And we hate them on a regular basis, right? But you go through days and weeks and your hate maintains kind of a, you know, it's like a flat line of regular, not up, not down, just regular in the middle hate. Right, because there's so much, you can only produce so much hate and you can't always. But my hate graph, Uh. my stock that I've invested in. But hate is a bad word though, Malka. You can't say that word today in, in 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 good societal company. You can't say the word hate. You could say saddened. No, I'm not sad. I don't feel sad. You could my say my blood is pumping. I have a little app on my Samsung S6, seven, th- I think. seven, yes. some kind of S, and yeah. then followed by a one-digit number. Yes. Anyway, so I can put my finger on it. It measures my heart rate. Yes. Sometimes I do that for fun, just to see how my heart rate is doing. Yeah. Anyway, um, my heart rate has gone up now that we're having this conversation. I should, I should actually log it as we have this radio show so i can log what my heart rate does yes. during talk about hamas on the show anyway my investment in the hate of hamas stock has gone way up okay because i feel extra resentment toward hamas for its use of kites and balloons to create terror acts in israel today on the gaza border a lady walks out of her house and she has a big trampoline like so many people do, right? For their kids. And in the trampoline is entwined some cute balloons, right? Some clear balloons, some red balloons. And you know what she has to think to herself? She has to go to her kids. Kids, oh my God, stand back. Balloons. Right. Right? Now, I love balloons. 
oftentimes I will buy balloons for my friends for their birthdays. I think that's a very festive thing to have. It's like, who doesn't like a nice balloon? Yeah. And the families in the Gaza area, they have to be afraid of balloons now. Yeah. Kites. In Steroid, I think it was, the the municipality did a big kite flying festival for children. Mm. I think last week or the week before. Why? Because kids are afraid of kites now. You can't even, by the way, I report news. I work for JNS, news service. I write about these things. Do you know how weird it feels to write something about like a terror kite or an incendiary kite, a kite that holds explosives? You can't even write the word kite and feel very upset. A kite's a kite. We all flew kites. There's nothing more fun and nice and, and benign than a kite. Yes. By the way, you, you got to watch out because right now Hamas is developing their clown cores. Ugh. Okay, they're Don't, actually, you know, you joke now. Yeah, you joke. Gonna, they'll figure out some other way to use something really cute and make it really cynical. They'll they'll plant explosive teddy bears on buses. I don't know what they're going to do. Disgusting, disgusting people who, who take nice things and make them bad things. Mm-hmm. So I feel really really extra angry meaning to say 45 rockets falling on my people in the middle of the night last night and waking them up and they have to run to their to their air you know to their shelters which by the way anyone who has an alarm clock knows it's already not fun to wake up to your alarm clock and then imagine that it's set in the middle of the night and then imagine that it's yeah. a lethal alarm clock that you have to run that you have that yes. you have 20 seconds it was something to get like to at three o'clock at night last it night. was at 5 30 in the morning no, I heard, <laughs> Which at I least heard it. was was in the morning, but uh, but still, it's it's a horrible thing. And you imagine people with little children and old people and and infirm people, and new you know new mothers who just gave birth, and all kinds of scenarios in which it's so hard, you know. And I guess I imagine that people who ha- are capable are just sleeping in their in their safe rooms. But not every building is not every private uh, apartment or home has its own private safe. But there's room. a great side to this whole story, and the great side is that the visceral anti-Semitism hate of the jihad is constantly exposed through this thing. It's like so evident that a lot of people just just see how how grotesque. It really is, and how. Who are these lot of people? Uh, that I'll you're tell you who about. a lot of people, and this will transition us very, uh, very um, persuasively to the next topic, and that is that America, the United States of America, with uh, Pompeo and uh, Nikki Haley, kind of standing shoulder to shoulder, confirming that they're going to leave the human rights, that they're leaving the Human Rights Commission. And one of the reasons that they're leaving the Human Rights Commission is because the Human Rights Commission was specifically trying to uh, make declarations against Israel war, Israel's fight in Gaza. So I looked into the UN Human Rights Council, Ishai, um, and it's an interesting history. I don't know if you know much about the UN Human Rights Council. I didn't until I started to look into it. Um, now that the United States is leaving, I thought to myself, whoa, this is like a huge step that the United States is taking. I mean, UN Human Rights Council, that sounds really important, right? So it turns out that the UN Human Rights Council is like a little tiny baby. It started in 2006. Hmm. I thought it was this like very entrenched, been around forever. I mean, human rights is like the number one thing, right? 
if you're going to put together a United Nations, the first thing it should do is ensure human rights, right? But it started in 2006. George W. Bush, as president, didn't join the UN Human Rights Council. He Mm -hmm. thought it wasn't an effective body. He wasn't so interested in in joining it because he felt that it was an institution that didn't really focus on major instances of human rights abuses around the world. The person who decided that the United States needed to be very involved in the United uh, the UN Human Rights Council was Bill Clinton. Barack Obama. Really? Barack Obama in 2009 uh signed the United States up to to the UN Human Rights Council. And that's when our involvement really began. But now that uh, US President Donald Trump is is leaving, it's like, whoa, he's leaving. It also happens to be significant here sitting in, in Judea that, that the uh, UN ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, literally said our name, right? She's like, and by the way, this body is not only just an ineffective, bloated, uh, smokescreen for allowing human rights abuses, but it has a, a ridiculous um, hate and bias uh, bias against Israel. But I, which I is like, wow, that's that's pretty significant. So everyone's picking up on it. Of course, all the news media are like, this is more of Donald Trump supporting Israel. And while you can't really say that's incorrect, I mean, it is correct. They said our name, right? They're like, and we don't like this. There's an agenda item on UN Human Rights Council votes, which is like, okay, and now what's going on with Israel and the, and the Palestinian Authority? It's like, a, it's, like, it's like a requirement for their meetings. They have to come look at us it's through their magnifying glass. It's a fixation. But at the same time, you, all you have to do is hearken back to, to the, the creation of the Human Rights Council and George W. Bush, who was not Mr. Israel lover at all, to say, you know, it's it's pretty logical that a U.S. president would not want to be involved in a body which basically doesn't deal with human rights abuses around the world. Right. And, and, and here I want to make a small point, which is I heard I heard this morning on the radio people were talking about thanking, being thankful to 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 President Trump and the America for pulling out of the Human Rights Commission. Spec- Council. Council. I thought it was commission, but specifically about. Uh, the issue of uh, uh, of Israel, and we should be thankful for it, or 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 like this shows more of of uh, the administration's support for Israel. And I I want to say that I don't think this is specifically about Israel, though Israel is the victim. It's like I'll give you an example. Let's say I see a bully in the schoolyard, and he's beating up on little Joey, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I want to stop the bully. Mm-hmm. But it's not because I want to protect specifically Joey. Yeah, but Joey's going to be pretty happy. Joey's going to be happy, but it's not about that. To me, there's something wrong about being a bully. And if it's not Joey, it's somebody else. And there's something wrong with this criminal activity. Okay, to me, it's like the Human Rights Council is a bad body. UNESCO is a bad body. UNRWA happens to be a more 
it's a Palestine, uh, you know, focus. It just thing. happens to be interesting that these are these are institutions, which is, I mean, Israel has a problem probably with a lot of UN institutions. I, I'm saying, but to it you, happens to be that Israel has particular problem with these specific yes. branches of the United Nations and and the Trump administration. And Nikki Haley is saying, like, we're not only doing this because of Israel, but we're definitely doing it because but of Isra- Israel. But Israel is the litmus test. It's not that it's about Israel. Is that Israel is the litmus test? Well, it takes it takes a lot of smarts to to understand that, right? But it it is it is this. If people are willing to beat up on Israel, it's like you have a problem with truth, and you're going to also not pay attention to the real human rights problems. For example, just a few clicks away from here in Syria, and and if you're not going to look at that then we can't really trust you in general to be in charge of this issue. And so, so to me, I, I just I want to take it out of the realm of the Israel-America relationship. It's not only about that. It's also about somebody finally looking in the face of the reality of these international institutions, which, by the way, take millions of dollars. This costs money to do this stuff. And for Americans, it's also like, I don't want to pay for this. I don't want to pay for your junk. I don't want to pay for your lies. I don't want to be complicit with your garbage. And here's what I want to say, which is more important. This is why I think the Trump administration, in general America, in general, in general the world, but certainly this administration should not also not fight the UN Human Rights Commission and then at the same time somehow find a way to support the Palestinian Authority. Which one is worse? I understand what you're saying. Okay, so let's say, let's say that the human rights, America's left the Human Rights Commission. But let's say they, in this new proposed potential peace proposal, uh, they'll find a way to, to resuscitate the dying Palestinian Authority so that there could be some kind of peace deal, et cetera, et cetera. To me, it's like, wait a minute. Maybe they're not doing that. Okay, but if, if such a thing, that's what I'm hoping that they I'm wondering. That. I'm so curious. Here's, here's, here's the what point What do you think are they going to say? What do you think is worse? The Human Rights Commission or... Uh, or the or the PA. The PA I'm, is I'm the, going with the Human Rights Commission. No. The PA is the actual body that actually does the terror, that funds terror, that gives three hundred and fifty million dollars a year to terrorist families. That's their mouthpiece. But the, the real sherets, the real evil being is the actual terrorist. That's their support network. But to me it's like if you if you if you it's like it's like a, it's like the great story of, of how Shaul has mercy King Saul, King Saul has, has mercy on on uh, it, he destroys the Amalekites but has mercy on the king. It's the same thing. It's like we have this kind of thing sometimes where we're like that's right we'll leave the human rights commission, we'll leave UNESCO, we'll defund UNRWA, but but when it comes to the PA, well, you know, it's an established thing and we should help it, you know, resuscitate and maybe somehow it will have it will want to go towards peace if properly pressured and all that kind of stuff. There there was an article that, that America is putting pressure on the so-called tolerant Arab governments, Egypt and, and, and Saudi Arabia, to put pressure on Abbas to negotiate. Okay, To me, it's like, no, don't put pressure on him to negotiate. Let's cut the funding on him also. Let's, let's close this thing off. Let's le- delegitimize the delegitimizers once and for all. Let's use this error to actually undermine this whole thing altogether and, and, and take it apart, dismantle it, and say no more. I wouldn't... I, who even knows at this point? I don't know why this thing is such a big secret still, but it's still a big secret what the Trump peace plan is. But 
I'm not saying and I'm not saying that Trump is like our big messiah and he could turn around and it could all be really bad and he could make a bad plan and BB could go with it and we could be really angry next week. Okay, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I could I could also see a scenario in which it's all a setup to to display under Trump's administration how impossible the Palestinian Authority is to deal with. And how, therefore, it it is no good. Meaning to say, I can envision a scenario in which Greenblatt, who already has problems with Palestinian negotiator Saeed Arakat, they're like, they're at major, major loggerheads, the two of them, over op-eds that they wrote. And Saeed Arakat says that Greenblatt just promotes Israeli policy. And then Greenblatt wrote a big article. I, I heard in Congress, people told me in Congress, that they met with Saeed Arakat and they were just like, this man is a liar. So there like, you go. I'm just so telling that's you great. what congressman told okay. me straight so, up. They're okay. Like, so that, like, that, we, that we is. We met with him. We asked him questions and he was just flat out lied to so us. So that's a, that is, that is a anecdotal support for what I'm saying. Yes. And then they go to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, and they go, Saudi Arabia, hey, get this guy who refuses to meet with any American officials. Mahmoud Abbas, okay? And he's just one of them. He refuses to meet with with American officials. Go convince him, right? Now, he can't be convinced because if he's going to be convinced, then there's going to be people who are going to try to kill him and all kinds of stuff. So he can't, anyway, he can't negotiate with Israel, with America or with Israel. But why would I even want to negotiate with this thing? I don't all I need to say thing. is that Trump, to me, seems like the kind of guy who would do something like that in order to show, look, this, 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 this instant, look, we pulled out of the UN because we tested it and it failed. Look, we pulled out of UNRWA because we, UNESCO because we tested it and it failed. Look, we pulled out of the Palestinian Authority because we tested it and it failed. I don't know. I, I hope. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just a, a, a bit of excitement now from, a, you know, for in, in, living in a time in which the United States has suddenly become, has, has really flipped and became, instead of a country that Israelis look at and they say, ugh, America, and they think of a Barack Obama, now they're like, yeah, America, and they think of a Donald Trump. And because of his recognition of Jerusalem as the official capital of Israel and his defunding of organizations that have slammed us and been hard on us in the international community. So I can all I'm saying is that I and I think a lot of people can envision a scenario in which maybe this Middle East tour that his representatives are going to do might come out for our good. Okay, first thing I just want to say, Malka, there's a lot of listeners to our show that probably have issues with Donald Trump because I'm sure. a lot of people do it. And I just he want is to say, a controversial man, to say just, the least. I just want to say uh, that I um, I think that I think that we can separate for those people. I just recommend separate the policies from the man. Just separate the policies from the man. Like like if you if you have a problem with some kind of a visceral emotional relationship to to how this dude behaves and all that kind of stuff, I get it. And I, I understand, I've, you know, and, and, and I respect that. But in terms of policies, I think it's pretty clear that the policies of the administration are good. I, for example, don't on this, know, In this case. In this, in this some people may Israel not like issues. some of his other domestic policies or other international issues. policies. Right. That's why I don't even say the word, the name of the man specifically, even though I myself... Oh, you like to say U.S. administration? I say the administration. That may, but it's so it different. The reason I like to talk Wait, about second, it is because it's finish. so different than the last administration. Yes, it, but you see, you can say it that way as well. That also takes away from personalities. There are some people who supported 
Obama. For me, I don't have a problem with with thinking that Trump is pro-Israel and Obama is anti-Israel. But I know that people don't don't always don't always. So I I make it a little easier for them by not making it about the personality and and indeed making it about the policy by pulling back a little bit and saying, okay, I'm talking about the administration. I'm talking about policy. And that that depersonalizes it a little bit for people, helps them swallow something that they may not necessarily like. Okay, that's that's my thought. Let me know, folks, what you think about that about that method. I think that's a good way to talk with your colleagues who may may have a problem with the man, but may be happy with the policies. A little bit depersonalization. I want people to uh, write me an email, Malka Yishai at thelandofisrael.com. And if you have anything for Malka, and I know a lot of people love to have hear you on the show, Malka. Uh, speaking of women empowerment, uh, there you are, and uh, and I want to say that we. Just I got a lot of cheesecake requests. You got a lot. Did you write them all back? Yes. If something happened, I did. But if something happened and you feel that you wrote in and you did not get the cheesecake recipe, the, you the write back in. Cheesecake? Yes, no baked cheesecake. No baked cheesecake. No baked cheese. Like At malkaskitchen.com. What was my band name? What was my new band name? Uh. G- uh, Zion Priest. Zion Priest. Yeah, like that. Um, we also got a great photo from our friends, the Rothsteins in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. They received the giant flag from Hebron, from Hebron. It flapped over. Uh, it flapped in the air of Hebron. I saw the new one today. I just I just pulled one down. I had a, I had the the re- they the, wear out fast that wind they wear whips every three them. months yeah whips them and, and they then get dirty. they get shredded and stuff and 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 I and, and we had a guy and he and he and he brought the flag down and put a new one up and I saw it today from a new part of Hebron that part that it's an ancient part but I had never been there and I looked over that flag it was flapping it's in very the wind. important it's very it's important chazak. Um, in an old school way it just symbolizes that whose presence is there whoever yeah. sticks the flag. That's their territory, and when you have a giant Israeli flag flapping, it's really a big deal. You speak the truth, Malka. It yeah. is it is old. It school. makes a difference in people's eyes. Yeah, that's right. So I want to thank uh, uh, the Rothsteins, and they've received uh, a wonderful flag. We have another flag to ship out right that's now. That's right. It's going in the box. Yes, f- ship it out. The truth is, I was going to send a smaller flag, but now I'm sending a giant flag. That's right. You send. And so, so I have to go into the trunk of my car where the the big boxes, and I got to get out the big box. Let's go. Let's send, I'm going to fold up the big flag. Send out that flag, Malka, uh, from Israel. And uh, there are there's. I have another flag in my office, which which has recently also come down in Hebron from a different part. But in any case, nice. I'm very excited about that. It's very very important. It's very chazak. It makes a big difference. Uh, I also want to thank the good folks like Betzalel, Betzalel, who's a donor to the show, and I really appreciate his help very much. Uh, and he he's he's making a monthly contribution. I really appreciate wow. that. Uh, it helps us broadcast. Uh, I mentioned that I got a new a recording machine. Sadly, I had to return it. I didn't like a few aspects of it, so I'm about to get a different recording machine. It helps us keep broadcasting. So thank you very much. Helps us keep doing what we do. Also, check out my debate, which is going to be up fully in a few days. But you can see snippets of it, Maka. You got to put it up on my Facebook page. But I debated Yossi Balin, the actual uh, founder of the Oslo Accords, the 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 architect, uh, the the diabolical architect of diabolical. At least he's a polite debate partner, though. He he is, and he and he's well known for that. And I tried to debate him uh, politely, and yet not too politely. 
uh, because he's been responsible for this horrible policy. And uh, that was another thing, which is I like I gave him respect. I said, look, he's one of the founders of Birthright, for example, all that. So I gave he him credit. He is one of the founders of Birthright? That's that is he, ironic. You know, it's not ironic. He's he's a, sure he's, a, he's a confused Zionist.com, you know? He's, that's what he is. Um, so I want to, I really, uh, check out my Facebook page for that. That's a lot of fun. I also want to say hi to our Michel friends out in uh, uh, Switzerland who uh, I miss and love so much. They're wonderful. I also want to thank the Sruer family who are in town already. Wow, they're here already? That's right. Uh, 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 oh, uh, summertime is the right time. That's right. And uh, we are going to be hanging out here. There's going to be a big bat mitzvah coming up. Mazal tov. And I want to say hi to Sarah and Nathan who also support the show. And they're here for 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 uh, uh, for, for, a, for the family be here celebration. For yeah, there's going to be a big simcha here. And, I'm and they're excited. coming out to Hebron. They're coming out to Hebron. And, ba- and also all my Australia buddies, everybody that I met to, in Australia is like coming in. And How is, fun uh, and is that? It's really fun. And, it, and it's like, and, and what happens is, is that you invest in people and it like comes back to you. And I, I, I like so enjoyed my time in Australia because I was able to give it time and meet people, connect with people. And so too with my, just a few weekends ago, I was in the East Meadow in, in, in Long Island just to come out for a full weekend to meet people. And they're, they're like in my head. Their actions are in my head, and I want to say hi to uh, David and Ailey uh, Adler, the heads of uh, the uh, Australian Jewish Association, who are doing a fabulous job, a uh, fabulous job right now, fighting for uh, conservative Torah values hmm. inside the the Australian Parliament, including talking about moving the embassy, and this was all over the newspapers, talking about moving the embassy uh, the Australian Embassy to Jerusalem. I think that would be fabulous, and I wow. really wish them a lot of success. And I had a small hand in kind of getting get, getting that energy pumped up there. Uh, and I want to say hi to uh, the Nowers who uh, who hosted me in beautiful uh, beautiful East Meadow. And just Malka, that I know that you sacrifice so much for these trips that I go out there and 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 fly around the world and stuff. And, and you're holding down the fort here. But I want you to know that it's that it really makes a bond between the Jewish people and lovers of Israel and Israel, uh, and it really it's a long term. It, it it sends a long time of of connection and strengthening of of our bond, uh, of of people's bond to Israel and and to peoplehood and togetherness and achdus. It really brings about. It really creates an achdus. And we have a division today, which is that which is that great ocean that divides us. And just being able to hold on to, and to do this show, it, it really it really strengthens people's connections, Monica. So I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you for staying up to to record with me as well. Yeah, well, it's fun to be on the show. And uh, every once in a while, I hear from somebody who's like, "Oh man, I heard you on Yishai's show." So that's good for my ego. That's right. So folks, uh, if you want, we still have more flags. Flags uh, as as I send them out. Uh, another one comes in. Um, and if you if you are interested in getting one of our one of these uh, old used, tattered and yet the most brilliant and, and powerful symbols of our rebirth and regeneration, right? They have really been flown in amazing places. That's right. In Hebron, on the Mount of Olives, in Jerusalem, in the city of David, some really like the coolest places that there are today. Right. Basically. These are these are these are. You don't the get flies. cooler than this, pretty That's much. That's right. So, so it's it's five hundred bucks, and people ask me. I think I, I didn't make it so clear. Just go to the website to ishayfleischer We try to keep it up, and that's my man Moshe, who does a great job keeping that that site up. Uh, so, 
uh, and and hit the donate button on the right. page I think there. You, I think there's a comments field. Just put in flag. Yeah, put in the flag thing and just you know it's 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 not. It doesn't cost five hundred dollars. It's a five hundred dollar donation, and any and any more is 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 appreciated, and it's to uh, to do these great renovation projects, flag projects, and and keeping up the show and and the other stuff that we're doing, including including some of our DC work as well, including some of our uh, uh, teaching. No, there's and, a lot uh, going on. There's a lot good there, stuff. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, that's right. I want I want to do a shout out uh, to my friends uh, uh, Jake. And Andy, who were with me in D.C., we did we did great work in D.C., and we have a lot more work to do. And I've barely had a chance to just catch up on all this stuff because it's like so so much stuff going on here in Israel. And, and summertime, instead of being chill time, is like super busy time because like everybody's coming in, everybody wants to come. So all the all the all the uh, seeds that you've sown, they're all they're all coming in. Enjoy, I'm reaping them in joy right now. And people are coming in and and taking part of the story of, of building Hebron, building Israel. Um, yes, yes, it's an amazing thing. So I want to thank everybody out there. Please write me an email, yishai at thelandofisrael.com, yishai at thelandofisrael.com. Come to the Land of Israel, book that book that tour, come on in, be part of the story. Malka, I want to really thank you so much and wish you a fabulous Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Shabbat Shalom and to you and to everyone who's listening. And Shabbat Shalom to our brothers and sisters on the Gaza border, really. I, uh... I feel for them every morning I, I open up the news and I think to myself, boy, I hope it was a quiet night. And some nights it is and some nights it isn't. That's and I right. just, uh, I think you talk about sacrifices, you know, these people, they like, you know, okay, they're so holding down the fort. They're holding down the so, fort. So they're I have, in the a, Gaza border I have an active really job for everybody. Them. I want to have, have an a- active job for everybody right now to do something which is going to be very impactful for you. And that is, I want you to go to the inter- to to your Play Store or to your iTunes Store, whatever smartphone system you use, and I want you to download the Red Alert app. Okay, Red Alert app. I want you to download the 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 Red Alert app, and if it goes off and you hear it, okay, that's the time to pray for the Jewish people. I learned this from an elderly Gentile in Phoenix a year or two ago who came up and he showed me that he had the red alert app and he says, I pray for the peace of Israel every time this goes off. I take a moment, I pray for everybody to be safe and I just love that that amazing connectivity. Right. It's, uh, it's definitely stuff. a way to connect and, and to be for one second a part of the intensity right. that those people live with. Very good, very good. That's right. We're living in intense times and there's intense pain and challenges. There's also intense, uh, almost indigestible, awesome beauty. It's just like sometimes like, Wow. You know, I, I drove home a little bit late today, and the sun was setting in in in, uh, in the Hebron Hills up to here, the Judean Hills, and I was just like, "Wow, Malka!" It was just like beautiful. I love sunset time. You know, I sure. love I love the glow, the golden glow that this this whole area gets. Especially, of course, Yerushalayim. I love to see the Temple Mount right, right from our, right, our front door here. He, uh, I love to see it, Malka. And I see it every morning. I stop the car. I stop the car for a second. Do a little prayer. See, I go walking in the morning now. Yes. Now that we live on a yeshuv, I go walking in the morning. I strap on my little sneaks. Yeah. And I go out the door and I walk in the middle of the street, leaving the house because walking in the street, at, in the in the walking in the middle of the street from the house, you can see Harabayit. I say a little Shema Israel. I say a little prayer for something. I thank Hashem for something. It's like I give a little kiss, like my mezuzah. I like reach out, give a little kissy. Nice. 
Because there's the Harbite. Let's give a kissy a little bit to to all of our listeners out there and wish them lots of blessings yes. and strength. Let's channel that all strength. All the good things to you. All let's, the good energy to come to you. Let's channel that light. Let's channel that Torah. Let's channel that truth. Let's channel that koach. Let's channel that chazak. Okay, let's channel it all the way here from the land of Israel to the world, wherever you are. Of course, you're being called in wherever you are. Take, you know, make a picture of it. Show it to people. Broadcast it. Be, be a conduit of it. Be a conduit of this great time of blessings. Never be afraid. Never. We're going to overcome all that fear. We'll never succumb to their terror. We'll never succumb to their fear mongering because we're living in a time of great light. And they're just trying to shut that down. We will not let them because we're part of a great story. So stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned to this network. More great stuff is in the way. Maka. Shabbat shalom. And thanks Shabbat a lot. Shalom. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. Be part of the story. God bless you wherever you are. And shalom. Josh Haston here, host of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Radio Network at thelandofisrael.com. Make sure you check out my show every Monday, bringing you the news unfiltered and uncensored information that you are not getting anywhere else, especially not in the mainstream media. Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.